0: is Beto Budinho, and I'm broadcasting for the rest of the universe from Tiny House in Costa Mesa, California. Welcome to Christian Podcast, the last radio on earth. If you're listening, then you're still on this planet, and I have a conversation this week that I had with one of the last persons on this planet, named Eric Wayman. Now Eric Wayman, I've known him for a few weeks only. And we did because this whole COVID-19 started here in California. So a group of pastors came together and they wanted to do a little video where they could show some hope and share some hope with listeners. So a group of pastors from the city of Costa Mesa and Orange County got together and I happened to be the videographer for those eight or nine pastors. So that's kind of how I met Eric Wayman. He's a pastor in Costa Mesa in a little church called Lighthouse Church and he's phenomenal. I was recording his message. You can go to christianpodcast.com and look for the COVID perspective and you can check out the videos that we produced and you can check out his perspective on this whole pandemic and his video it's actually on scarcity versus abundance so check it out and today we have a conversation with Eric that might bring you a little bit of hope wherever you're at Wherever in the world that you're listening, we hope this conversation brings something useful for your life and gives you hope. So here we go. Let's check it out. Is anybody out there? Is anybody out there? All right. Eric Wayman, can you tell us a little bit about who are you?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Uh, So I am a pastor living in Costa Mesa, California. I've lived here my whole life. I I have a wife who happens to be a marriage and family therapist. So she's constantly reminding me uh, (laughs) that it's my... I've got two kids, two and eight. And uh, yeah, we, we just in this last week started homeschooling because everybody in this season is homeschooling. So I'm learning that... Uh, I'm not as good a teacher as I thought I was. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Like the rest of us, man.
1: Right. It's a steep learning curve. I have begun to have a greater respect for school. And yet, I can't help but feel like 20 years from now, even 10 years from now, while we'll look back on this like a season of, this is crazy. That was awful. God, where were you? Our kids are going to look back on it and go, man, I got to be at home with my family. Um, I, I got to play games. We got to be together as a family. That was one of the best times of my life. It, it's all a matter of perspective.
0: True that, man. Did you see this coming? I mean, a few weeks ago, right? We were all going about our regular lives and then all of a sudden we mm-hmm. started hearing, well, most of us started hearing Disneyland's closing. There's no more NBA or you know, Major League Baseball and things like that. And to me, it kind of blindsided me because I, I wasn't expecting this. I know you know <laughs> Bill Gates almost like prophesied this was gonna happen like in 2015, right? But did you see it coming? How did it hit you?
1: Right? Oh no, oh no, not at all because I'm so used to, to listening to things on the news and it being something that happens out there. And even, for instance, 9-11, which was probably the last time that a, a, a huge national or international crisis, but 9-11, 2001 was the last time there was one of these huge national blows, and it was something that happened across the country from me. This is the first time I've ever experienced something uh, that is this close to home, that is affecting every aspect of my life. It's, it's affecting every aspect of my family's life. It's affecting every aspect of my my work, which I happen to be a pastor. So, you know, it has completely changed the way that I have to go about shepherding the people that God has entrusted to us. Um, and it's affected everything about my community. And, and so, no, I, I did not see it coming. It blindsided me. And in fact, for a while there, I was probably with a lot of people. I was completely in denial that it was coming.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it happened to a lot of us. And um, what's your experience as a pastor with with the rapid changes? I mean, we were, we were going to church, you know, on Sunday meetings a week ago, <laughs> right? And now everybody's going online. Everybody's turning into a televangelist. Uh, I mean, what's happening with that? You know, How do you feel as a pastor?
1: Oh my goodness.
0: So i
1: has been a dichotomy between the way that I'm feeling. On one hand, I'm frustrated that I can't be with my people. I'm frustrated that I can't see them on a regular basis. That is one of the things that has been a hallmark of our church community. We're not a huge mega church. We're small enough that everybody knows one another's name, and and that's wonderful, but the reality is in this season, we can't gather together. It is out of love that we are choosing to remain apart. because I've got quite a few people in our church community who are in that demographic who would be negatively impacted if they were to catch this virus. And the last thing I want to do is for in my desire to be in relationship with them and to do life with them, uh, we somehow endanger them. So on the one hand, everything's had to change. We've never had a video uh, service, and now that's all we have. And we had about two days to figure out how to do it. So that's the one hand. But on the other hand, when I look at this, I have never experienced a season in my life where it feels like the, the spiritual soil of my community is more to seeds of hope desperately hungry for seeds of hope and the amazing thing is that i really feel like god is allowing us as pastors and god is allowing his church to be the people who he sows those seeds of hope through and so man the way that i pastor my church the way that i am a member of my community the way that i partner with uh, my partner pastors in the city is it's radically changed and i would suggest it's probably for the better
0: Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. It, it's almost like God is hitting the pause button, right? Or the, the Sabbath button for everyone. <laughs> totally. Like,
1: literally, be still and know that I am God. No, I, I meant I be still, where it, it begins, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And then he goes on to say, talk about how, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I, I suspect that most people right now feel like they're in the middle of a dark, dark valley that's shrouded in the shadow of death. Right? We're reminded every day that the the death counts uh, are, are are rising, kind of in a huge manner, and so. We re- really feel like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death in the midst of it, working, both parents working uh, to provide for their family while their kids are you know, either in childcare or are doing their own thing. Suddenly these families are reunited together and they are forced to be still. The middle of the valley of the shadow of death. Um, And it's, there are positive in the midst of the real uh, struggle of the season.
0: I was, this morning, I was with my kids on the table uh, having breakfast. And I think it was like the first time I have a four year old girl, a 10 year old, and an eight year old. Yeah. It's like the first time I reach out my hands to pray together and they all linked hands with, you know, like, yeah let's mm-hmm. do this you know versus other times like do we have to wow. do this right and now even my four-year-old you know she's right. stretch out her hand and okay let's pray together um yep. so for sure i mean it's a different season yeah. it's bringing us together it's bringing families together uh, what is i mean we are not i don't know it, it blindsided us so i don't know that we have any information about what's coming but what is your forecast with the COVID and, 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 you know, the next few months?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that the idea that this is going to be short-lived, that it'll be a two-week blip um, is not realistic. In fact, I mean, at this point, as you and I are talking, we have not yet had a reported infection in Costa Mesa yet. But my guess is that is simply, uh, you know, it's coming. It's an inevitability, and when that happens, it's going to re-hit the, the pause button, and we're going to get at least, at minimum, another two weeks of be at home, shelter in place, you know, flatten the curve and all of that stuff. Um, so that's one. Uh, I, I, I am beginning to come to terms with the fact that we are not going to meet together as a church on Easter, and I can't think of a single time in History where the church has not been able to meet in person. Now, thankfully, we have the ability to lean on things like uh, the live streaming and things like that. So we can still have connection. We can still do a service, but we won't be together. And so that changes um, a lot of stuff. My guess is that uh, it has completely changed the political landscape in the sense that, you know, even in this election, year this has become the number one thing and kind of how things proceed from here is going to shape the next four years Um uh, it's it's kind of radical that it's already punted when the uh, the olympics is going to happen i mean when has there ever been something in history that everybody around the planet is affected by and we're able to be aware of it. Because in the past, I'm sure that there were pandemics, but there wasn't a whole lot of communication going on. So all people could be aware of is what's right there in their little slice of the world. And now with the World Wide Web and with social media and uh, 24-7 news, uh, the f- kind of, it's a much smaller community and uh, around the world. And we're able to kind of be a part of what's going on in Italy both the ugliness, but also the beauty, like people singing to one another in the streets and um, you know how other governments are trying to handle things have bearing on on us as well. So it's just, it's a unique time. I have a feeling that in the short term, this is gonna probably be a little bit longer than any of us would like to admit. And in the long term, I suspect it's going to change a lot of things about how we do church. Like for instance, for myself, I don't want to stop doing uh, video streaming of our services because the reality is it has enabled us to reconnect with family members from our church that have moved to other parts of the country and they're able to now continue to participate with us. That's a wonderful thing that I haven't had the ability to do up till this point. I'm grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful for the way that the church in Costa Mesa, and I say that very seriously when I say the church because a lot of times we talk about, about Um, churches, right? There's some like 55 churches in Costa Mesa that meet in different places and different times throughout the week. But what I have always said, and I'm only repeating what I've heard others say, is that there's only one church in Costa Mesa. Jesus is the head of it. We're not in competition with one another, even though oftentimes we operate like we are. Um, We are part of the same body. And that has never been more true in the church operate with more unity and intentionality as we are pulling in the same direction against a common enemy. And that enemy is not a government. That enemy is not, you know, that, that, that enemy is this sickness, this virus, um, and ultimately our own mortality. And I'm grateful that we're we're pushing against it with the hope that, that comes from Jesus Christ that regardless of what happens if the last word but at the same time it has unified god's church in a way that is wonderful and i pray that when this uh when this pandemic passes when we get through this valley uh, we won't just go back to how things were
0: right yeah that's so good man yeah i was gonna one of my other questions was what does hope look like in this season and i mean mm. some of what you're saying it's it's part mm. of that do you see um, you know a couple months from now what would be your words maybe for that desperate mom or desperate dad like I, I don't know what to do with my kids at home or you know i'm i'm i don't know if i'm going to have mm. the the food supplies that i need to provide for my family in you know, a couple of weeks from now what What is hope going to look like? And even in other parts of the world, you know, Italy, Spain, uh, India is shutting down. What does hope look like yeah. globally? Yeah.
1: Well, well oh, okay. So in order to, to prognosticate about what it might look like, let's back for a second. Um, this morning I was actually reading through the Lord's Prayer and right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, is this little line, give us this day our daily bread. Sorry, that's my dog right now. (laughs) Hey, Sadie, sweetheart. I think that the mailman's coming by. Anyway, um, in the middle of the Lord's Prayer is this statement, give us this day our daily bread. And, of course, that reminds us of when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt. They'd just come out of slavery. They find themselves in the middle of the wilderness, Egypt is behind them. Promised land is somewhere far ahead. They don't know how long the wilderness journey is going to be. Um, and in the midst of that, they start grumbling because all they can think about is their hungry bellies. They don't It doesn't matter that God has released them from slavery using these ten plagues that have basically kind of revealed that the gods of Egypt have no power whatsoever, and that the God of Israel is powerful. It doesn't matter. That God, as part of the Red Sea, led them through a dry ground and then decimated the most powerful um, army on the planet at that time without them ever lifting a hand. None of that matters. All that matters to them in that moment is that they're hungry. And so they start grumbling and they start romanticizing about what life in slavery had been like. Oh, when we were back there, we sat around pots of meat and we could eat our fill. And God just kind of goes, seriously, are you that forgetful? of a people. And so in the midst of that, he says, okay, I tell you what, I'm going to provide meat at night and I'm going to provide manna in the morning. And sure enough, you know, that night, a huge flock of quail settles into the camp and everybody eats their fill. And in the morning there's this substance on the ground that's kind of bread like, and they don't know what it is. So they say, what is it? And in Hebrew, the word, what is it is manna. So that's what they called it. What is it? Um, And everybody collects it and they have their fill, but then God says something Really, really interesting. He says, this is for today. And of course, some of them are like, forget that. I'm going to take extra. And when they woke right. up in the morning, whatever extra meat or manna that they'd collected and hoarded had rotted. And I think that what God was trying to teach them is dependence and trust. Do you trust me to provide for you in the midst of this season of scarcity? And, and he does. He does it for 40 years. He provides their meat at night and their manna in the morning. And every day they go to bed with a full belly. But every morning they wake up with this reminder, if God doesn't show up, I'm not eating today. But here's the thing about that season, because I know it wasn't comfortable. And I know it's something that they were probably really grateful to get to the promised land on the other side. But if you look at their writing constantly through the Psalms, Constantly through the New Testament, they're constantly pointing back to that season as a season that marks them as a people. The season that illustrated how faith God is and that they truly are. Well, how do we know that? Because look at the way he led us out of slavery. Look at the way that he, he provided for us in the wilderness. Look at the way that he brought us into the promised land. All that to say, I'm uncomfortable right now because there's lines at my grocery store just down the street. If I want to go get food, I can't just walk in like I'm used to doing. I have to go stand in a line. And that's scary. It's weird because I've never experienced this kind of scarcity in my entire life. But I, I truly believe that what God can teach us through this season is that he is our provider. He is worthy of our trust, and he has made us to remain dependent. And so, you know, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, Therefore, don't worry. Don't ask, what, or what will I wear? The world is worried about that. And your Father in heaven knows that you need it. So instead, seek first my kingdom and my, and my righteousness and all that other stuff to take care of. But, but just don't worry, Fix fixed on me. And I truly believe that what God can teach us through this season is that he is our provider and people's faith will grow through it. And I think it will mark us. This will be a season that we can look back on and say, I've seen Jesus be real here. I have seen God be my provider. So I won't worry as I find myself in another season of want."
0: Wow. That's so good, man. That's a good. Looking back and seeing the, where God's faithfulness has been, so that we can project hope into our future. So I think that's an invitation for anyone listening. Uh, As we go into desperate times, find the the good that has been there in your life, right? There's always been maybe one or two things that have been good and embrace those and use those to project Mm. a better future for 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 ourselves, you know, for whoever it is, where you're at, you know, your family, your your community, your country, there's always hope, and I always tend, I always have this phrase that uh, actually the only future that there is is through hope, Mm -hmm. and
1: the only hope that we have is through Christ. That is our hope. I think that in a lot of ways, our society has gotten very comfortable with with hanging our hope on other things. Before this crisis, it was our bank accounts, right? We, we have, on every single dollar and every single other piece of money, in history, we have this phrase, in God we trust. But the reality is I think that for most of us, the God on which we start trust was the very bill. Right now, our money can't save us. Because just like God did to, The the Egyptians, when he showed that the gods of Egypt were powerless, God is doing that to our American idols as well. He's taking money and saying, hey, you couldn't, you you don't have enough money to buy toilet paper right now. You don't have enough money to be able to buy a hand sanitizer. You got to trust me hey, you can't depend on the supermarket to provide your food. You've got to depend on me. And, in, and although a lot of us are struggling with that because it's really uncomfortable to feel like we don't have control, the reality is it's revealing that we've never had control. And that's when we have to turn to the one who is in control. We need to kind of, you know, in the midst of the season where it's really easy to give in to fear, faith doesn't look like ignoring our circumstances faith looks like looking beyond our momentary circumstances to the one who stands above it our heavenly father who is holy he stands above them he is using this to grow our faith and so if we can keep our eyes fixed on him he will do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine he's got us our money can't save us our government can't save us the stash of food and And water and toilet paper in our garage can't save us, only he can, because in this moment We're folks feeding our belly, but in the good of things, we're talking about eternity. and And no government, no amount of money, no amount of our own effort can ever save us.
0: Only God can. Awesome, Man, thank you so much for sharing. I think that's uh, that's really encouraging. For the listeners wherever they're at you know hope is real and hope can look different ways in different countries but but it's the kingdom of True. God is real and it's persistent and it was brought to us through Jesus and it looks mm-hmm. it looks like all the good things in life right and I think that this is the time where we're gonna start seeing um, the goodness of God in, in ways we haven't before and yes uh, I just want to say you know I want, I want to wrap up but where can people I know like you've been blogging a little bit and stuff where can people go find you and maybe uh, <laughs> be connected and, and read more about who you are and maybe find some some hope and resources yes yeah, so I,
1: I have a blog it's called a perspective from the path I'm not sure if that's how you find it on blogspot that's a, I'll send you the link and maybe you can put it down below and people can find it I, I'm okay. new to this whole thing in fact it had been two years since the last time I blogged, but you no, know, we're we're learning new ways uh, to communicate, um, which I guess is a positive. Uh, I'm also the lead pastor at Lighthouse Community Church, and so you can you know stream our our services or kind of look at past services uh, at lighthousecommunity.com, and then my email address is eric e r i c at lighthousecommunity.com, and I will
0: welcome need ready to, to shoot nails or awesome man well this has been a, a really hopeful and helpful conversation thank you so much man for giving us some of your time and offering it to the world and you well know, I, I pray that absolutely i persevere. am honored to be able to do this awesome man and now i guess all of us need to get back to our our new chores and being with kids and all of that so I let you go man, but really, really appreciate you being here. Absolutely. That's your time, man. God bless you.
1: Thanks, Beto. You too. Take care.
0: All right, bro. (laughs) Well, there you have it my friends thank you for listening to this broadcast if you're out there and you want to reach out to us see if we're still alive you can check us out on the web at christianpodcast.com christianpodcast.today send us a message send us your comments wherever you're at in the world We hope that you still find hope and a reason to live and push through. My name is Beto Gudiño. I'm originally from Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico. And this transmission is being broadcasted from a little tiny house in Costa Mesa, California. Thanks for listening to this episode of Christian Podcast. If you liked this episode, share it with friends and family. Make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review whenever you can. You can also visit ChristianPodcast.com to learn more about our show. Hasta la vista.